Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Frame and Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we amplify the voices of those women whose stories are moving and meaningful and compelling. Then we love to share their stories with you, because when one woman shines, we all shine. Today's guest is Tammy Ramos. Tammy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Susan. It is such a joy to get to be here with you today. I've really been looking forward to this opportunity. I have too, and we have to start off by giving a little shout out to our mutual friend, Belinda Liu at Kaiser Permanente. She is the person who introduced me to you, and I'm so grateful to her for so many things, this introduction included. Likewise, likewise, my friend. Awesome. Well, you and I have chatted a little bit. I totally fell head over heels the first time we had a conversation. I think our talk went longer than this podcast will go, <laughs> um, but I'm excited to share you with the audience. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Susan. I would love to. Well, first, I'm a proud single mom of three teenagers, Isabella, 15, Gabriel, 17, and Andrew, who is almost 19. Uh, I always like to start with a little, a little personal story about myself. Um, you know, in my free time, I love to hike, although I will confess that I haven't done enough of it recently, and it's starting to show. Um, I also love to, to garden and tend to my rose garden. I have about over 40 different species of roses, all of which I have planted myself. Uh, but I know you're asking me, professionally about myself. Oh, no, I love to look. So let me just tell you one thing. We are our whole selves and we must be bringing our whole selves to work, to home. You know, I mean, I just think it's mythical to think we can separate ourselves nine to five, forget about who we are after work, etc. So I love hearing all about all of you. So this is great. It's great. Thank you, Susan. And many of my clients, I try to tell them that as well, right? That it's really not work-life balance, it's work-life blend. Uh, I love that. as women, we are so multifaceted, aren't we? Yes, yes, here, here, sister, for sure. <laughs> um, and I look, I've been a single mom before. It's not easy and I'm not looking for tiny violins either. I'm just, I just want the world to know that we are multifaceted. You know, being a good mom didn't mean I was, you know, not as good at my work and vice versa. We just did it all. Yes. And here's a shout out to all the single moms, uh, single working moms today trying to work in this environment, right? My heart goes out to them and I applaud them. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think well, that, you know, speaking of this environment, if my son weren't 19 or soon to be 20 and already in college, I think my kid would suffer mightily because I just, I couldn't homeschool. I mean, I'm oh, just yeah. not equipped. Exactly. And I, and I feel for some of my friends and my colleagues who have young children who, you know, are in diapers running around the house. I remember what those years were like, you know, my kids are all teenagers, so they're self-sufficient. They can get on their computers and sign into school and do their homework, et cetera. But yeah. I, I don't know how the, the young moms are doing it right now, but that's why I wanted to just <laughs> call it out and applaud them for, for the hard work that they're doing. And for all the employers who are listening to this, please understand that challenge. If you're, if you're at the C-suite level, you're probably 
you know, have kids who are grown and gone, please remember what, um, you know, it was like when, like what Tammy said, when your kids were young and now these people are working from home, stuck at home, you know, having to cook meals, order DoorDash if you're me and, <laughs> and teach your kids things that you probably don't even remember if you ever in fact learned at all. So, um, <laughs> yes, well, about you're, you're an incredible businesswoman. Let's do talk a little bit about your <laughs> occupation. Well, let me start off by saying that uh, I'm really proud to say that I'm the first in my family to graduate from high school. Wow. Um, yes, right. That's incredible. You're yes. an amazing woman and so smart. That's, that's, wow. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Um, well, after high school, I went on to earn my Bachelor of Science in Economics and Business Administration with a double major in Spanish from St. Mary's College of California. And then I went went on to uh, earn my Juris Doctor from the University of Notre Dame Law School. Nice. Uh, thank you. Quite honestly, you know, my career has taken many twists and turns uh, from practicing law to university teaching in many different subject areas, including the great books, which I really loved teaching. Uh, you know, we read things like Socrates and Plato and all of those. Yeah, things. I love all yeah. that classics. Yeah. Um, I also taught in the law program, management, and even Spanish, which I love to speak Spanish and look for opportunities to speak it. That, so my son is, um, he spent the night at home last night, which is rare. And I had to wake him up this morning at eight o'clock for his Spanish class. So that's been his language, second language of choice for years and years. Uh, he took Latin, but I think Spanish is, it's very powerful and important to know a second language. And I think in this country, we just don't, you know, we don't, I, I don't think we honor that enough. I know all my friends from European countries speak three and four languages. Cool. Well, I don't know if you know this, Susan, but Spanish is the second most spoken language in the entire world. And I the second most, yep, and the second most uh, spoken language in this country. And it's projected that in 2050, it will be uh, the, the most spoken in this country. Sure, because the population will be majority Hispanic in 2050. Exactly. Um, you know, this just reminds me, I want to hook you up with the, um, the director of the uh, Hispanic Corporate Council Association. They are always looking for remarkable people, generally, uh, not always lawyers, but generally lawyers, and for resources and people to come to sit on their board and to help with, with their cause because of what you just said, that you know, the buy power of the Hispanic population by you know, 2050 is gonna be I think like the seventh most it would make the seventh most powerful economy in the world that by power of the Hispanic population in our country alone. Yes. Yep. Yeah. You're, I'm you're gonna make an introduction. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna love you. He's gonna love you. You are our sort of the poster child of everything to do, what what to do, you know, and how amazing that you know you worked hard. You gave a lot of sweat equity as well as you know had to balance like you said there, there's really it's not a balance it's a blend exactly um, i love that i love that well let me ask you are you involved in your community in any way and if so how well i i am the executive director of latina vida which is a nonprofit organizations yeah, so our whole mission is to inspire the next generation of Latina executives. 
Nice. Oh my God. Like having you on this call makes me realize. So, so I know the woman who is the CAO of University of California, San Diego's uh, Sanford Institute. It's, it's called the Institute, Sanford Institute of Empathy and Compassion. And they work with lawyers and doctors talking about EQ and the power of transformational leadership. Um, and the woman I know happens to be my niece, but she's a genius as well as a great business leader, as well as, you know, a CPA. And she is very involved in Hispanic women's leadership causes another person that you need to meet. She's changing the world and you're changing the world. And I think together you'd be unstoppable. Mm, thank you. Yes, I would love to meet her. Well, you know, it, it's a, I call it my passion project because, you know, we work with early to mid career Latinas um, who are, many of them are first in their families to graduate from college and go on to have a professional career, just like I was. So, you yes. know, I had to learn a lot of things the hard way that I hope our younger Latinas don't have to learn the hard way. We teach them things like executive presence, personal branding, networking, wow. a playbook. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. Uh, if there's anything I can ever do to help, you know, supplement your work, you let me know, please. Thank you, Susan. I I'm all about that. lifting women, all about lifting women in business for sure. Um, you know, let me know. Uh, all my resources, just consider them yours. Thank um, you, Susan. Well, let me ask you, what is your proudest professional accomplishment? Um, that's a good question. I, you know, I would say aside from passing the bar exam, which I'll admit that I did have to take twice, <laughs> I'm really proud of the impact that I'm beginning to make in the legal profession, uh, in the area of diversity and inclusion. And I probably should back up and just share that it was 25 years ago when I began my professional career as a lawyer. And I, and I started in a firm of 35 attorneys. Um, I was only one of two women and the only person of color. Wow. So yeah, if you can imagine, it was a Oh, difficult... I can imagine. Yeah, that's all too often too common. Yes, it, it, was, it was tough. You know, I really tried hard to fit in, to assimilate, uh, you know, to get along, to, to get ahead, right? But here I was, a 25-year-old single Latina surrounded by middle-aged white married men who were slaves to their careers. Uh, right. I mean, small talk included, you know, golf and vacations, families, sports, and a lot of work, 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 work. Um, and then social hour, you know, included drinking beer, watching football. I didn't drink beer. I didn't watch football. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do any of those things, right? Um, I, I actually tried to acquire a taste for beer, but I never did. Um, what I found myself doing though is was working just really long hours trying to, you know, bill my 2000 annual billable hours. Um, and, and it was just really tough. So Susan, you know, today we have diversity programs, we have affinity groups where diverse employees can, you know, find their place within an organization. But that just wasn't the case 25 years ago. Exactly. I think for back then we used to tell women to mimic the men in order to be successful. Exactly. And, you know, that is something that happened to me. Um, the, the other woman in the firm, I thought that she would take me under her wing 
Oh no. Kind of show me the ropes. Oh no. No, no, no. no. (laughs) I know where you're going with that. Um, no, she sees this as a finite pie and she is not going to let you take her piece. That's right. But you know, it's sad. Yeah, I know. But this is what I'm excited about is that, and especially with everything that happened in 2020, you know, organizations and law firms, legal departments are starting to take a hard look at themselves, right? To say, you know, are we diverse or are we not? And let's admit we are not, especially in the legal profession, it still is not diverse. Um, but here, here's, here's what I'm proud of is that I'm starting to be able to work with them and bring some workshops, some education. We do a lot. Uh, I, I forgot to mention that I'm an executive consultant with Inclusion Inc. Um, okay. And so so we're really starting to be able to move the needle there in helping them create inclusive environments. That is so awesome. So, you know, that's my passion as well. Um, my guy is what I call it. it the, those of you who don't know what that means, it's what you love, what you're good at doing, what the world needs, and you can be paid to do it. So it's your, basically your passion, your mission, your profession, and your vocation or calling. I think yeah. that's what you've tapped into there. Yes. I call it my ministry. You know, it's like, I oh, that's a beautiful, all- <laughs> powerful word. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. For yes. sure. I love that. I love that. Um, this is probably why one of the many, many reasons we connect so strongly. Right. Um, so I, I, I would ask this, you are inspiring me every day since I've met you, your, your story is powerful. Has someone inspired you or did you have a mentor or a sponsor? Um, you know, I've had a lot of mentors along my journey. Um, a lot of people who have really been critical in my success. Um, but if I were to choose one specific person, I would say it's my adopted mom and her name is, uh, Mary Pena. And it it probably would help if I give you a little bit of background, um, You know, I had a a really tough childhood growing up. My biological mom ran away from home at the age of 16 and came back pregnant with me. My biological father, who I still have never met, uh, was an illegal immigrant from Mexico. And he left her right away because he was afraid he was gonna get in trouble. Um, My mother went on to have three more children and struggled with drugs and alcohol. And we were, in fact, homeless for several years um, and exposed to things that, you know, no child should be. Uh, My mother eventually lost her parental rights to us when I'm guessing I was probably about 11 years old. Um, So you can imagine how bad it was if if you're going to lose your legal parental rights. Um, I ended up in the, the foster care system. And it was in high school that I started participating in this this club called the Metro Club. And it was a club for Latino students. It was kind of my way of like finding a place to belong. Well, my mom led this group and she noticed that I wasn't at school consistently. And she started to ask questions and found out from my school counselor that I was bouncing around to different foster care homes. So I know, right? So miraculously, she did what I think very few people would do. She went through the process to become a foster parent. 
just so that wow. she could bring me home. Right? Yeah, just so she could bring me home. And I ne- I will never forget this. And she told me really clearly. She said, Tammy, honey, I will give you everything you should have always had. A home, clothing, food, love, protection, etc. I will love you like my own daughter. My only request of you is this. You do your best in school. Whatever that looks like for you. It doesn't have to be straight A's. I just want you to do your best. And I was so... I know, right? I was so appreciative that I really took it to heart and excelled academically. And because I excelled academically, she inspired me to go to college. And I was like, mom, you got to be crazy. Like people like me, you know, if I graduate from high school, that'll be a huge accomplishment. And she said, no, Tammy. And, and she spoke Spanish and she was instrumental in teaching me Spanish as well. She's like, mija, don't limit yourself. You have to think bigger. You know, there's all kinds of possibilities for you. And she did the hard work of taking me to college campuses, helping me fill out applications, apply for scholarships. I mean, she literally changed the course of my life. And I tell her today, I'm forever going to be in your debt. And she is still my mom today and the grandmother of my children. So by far, hands down, she earns the title as best inspirational mentor. I love the story. You're making me well up with tears. This is not um, a video uh, conversation. It's an audio only, but uh, this touches my heart. I, I agree. I tell my son, the one thing they can't take away is your education. Do your best, whatever that means. Do your best. Um, this is beautiful. In fact, Tammy, I, I would like you to be a speaker at one of my annual events on stage. Um, a few years out, we have a couple, you know, we have one in Chicago next year, the other in Philadelphia. Uh, those speakers are all set, but the one in Seattle after that, I would love to have you on stage and tell your story. Oh, I would be honored. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, you're incredible. Uh, Belinda's actually speaking this year, and it's unfortunately a virtual event, but doing what we can with COVID, in COVID. So, um, but yeah, you're amazing. I'm, I'm tear-filled, and I'm not just because I'm an empath, but your story is that powerful, right? So, wow, you're such a, a great example to others, you know, that it can be done. Well, let me ask you this. How do you think women can lift one another up and support other women in business? Oh, Susan, that's such a great question. Um, And and I'm not sure that I have the magic answer. Uh, I was recently, (laughs) right? Like, right? Like this, this is a tough one. It's a tough one. I was recently coaching a client who, who was having some issues with other female coworkers. Um, And I invited her to read a training guide entitled In the Company of Women. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. Okay. So you know, (laughs) you know, right? Yes. And I've been that victim of mean girls. People know that's why I started this podcast precisely. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I, I, oh my God, with you, with you, with you. Yeah. You know, one of, and for the listeners who don't know, one of the premises is that women have been socialized yes. to use, yeah, right, to use indirect aggression towards other women. Um, they even cite, you know, uh, gender studies that demonstrate, you know, men generally use direct action to attain a goal, whereas women, we've been socialized to use indirect means, you know, using behaviors such as you mentioned cat fights 
or shunning other women. Yes, kind of this passive aggressive behavior. Um, and, and I love, they use a formula called the power dead even rule, which I don't know if you remember, but basically says that women are always trying to find equilibrium in their relationships with one another. So it's this delicate balance between one woman's power and the self-esteem of the other woman. And, you know, as I mentioned to you earlier about the, the other woman in the law firm who had been hired one year before me, you know, that's a, a, a classic example of lack of self-esteem in one woman, right? And that, that sense of, you know, I have to compete. And I've, I've come to a place where I look at it as somewhat of a scarcity mentality that somehow we as women feel that uh, there's only so many opportunities for us to get ahead. And yeah. therefore, if, right? And therefore, if one woman gets ahead, somehow that is detrimental to me, as opposed to seeing it as, you know, one woman's success is every woman's success. Right. Right. So I, I think. I, I would say the best advice I could give is that we be aware of that tendency, right? That we've been socialized this way. It starts at a very early age. There are messages that we still receive that only nurture that kind of toxic mentality. Just be aware of it and make a decision that, hey, we're not going to compete with one another. We're going to decide to unite and support one another and help each other get ahead. I love that. This is what you do daily. And this is what I do daily. And I think that if people would understand that when you treat other women poorly, it hurts them, but it reflects poorly on you. So find out why you feel the need to do that. Work with someone like Tammy, right? A coach to maybe help you. Um, I don't help just those women who get it. Um, I offer to help those women who don't. Now, if they don't take me up on that offer, then you know, they're lost. And, you know, we need to come together to recognize what we're doing when we act out of fear. And that's what that is. Um, so and trauma and trauma. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? I think that so many of us women have experienced some kind of trauma, you know, whether it's from childhood, a divorce, an abusive relationship. Um, and, and, and those wounds we carry those wounds into our work relationships as well. And so, you know, giving, giving ourselves the gift of healing through professional counseling, working with a coach, et cetera, um, I think is so important for, for, for business women wanting to get ahead. And I love that you have the courage to reference the trauma because a lot of women won't say the word. And I openly talk about PTSD and the trauma that I've experienced and how it rears its ugly head when certain events take place or even comments are made. And um, I don't know that I'll ever fully heal from some of the things that have happened, but um, I know that at least I recognize when that's happening, right? So that's a good step. Um, what courage to say that? Like, I wonder how many listeners have experienced that, but don't talk about it because, you know, we're not supposed to quote unquote, it's taboo, et cetera. I think we need to do away with that and make way for authenticity and, and real stories. And because 
we have shared experiences, right? So you're bringing that up means some listener out there says, you know, I need to own my story and speak openly about it and get help or, you know, um, recognize the lessons learned from it or, you know, and I'm tired of feeling guilty about the things that happened to me that weren't in my control. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. You know, those things don't define us. Those things define somebody else. That's right. That's right. Well, on that note, what has been, I know you've had many, as have I, what has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? So good question. And I'm going to say uh, on the lines of what we were just saying, uh, I, aside from my two failed marriages in my personal life, and, and I'm sharing that honestly, because we're having an honest conversation. Right? Yes, you we and are. I are. Sister, um, I've had two failed marriages too. So we, <laughs> <laughs> we are, I'm, I'm on my third and final rodeo. This is the one I'm good to go, but I hear you. And you know, it used to be people would judge you negatively, automatically judge the woman. If you are a divorcee or twice divorced, they'd say, what is wrong with her? Yes, but like you just said, you know, I think as women, sometimes we want to project that we have it all together in every single area of, of our lives. You know, we want to give this impression that we have the perfect marriages, the perfect children, the perfect homes, and all of, all of these things are good that we should want to aspire to have them. But I fear that we sometimes may hide behind facades, right? These facades that don't allow us to really connect with one another intimately and yeah. on a deep level, right? And, and then what happens? We end up feeling alone and isolated. So I'm a huge advocate of being vulnerable and authentic so that, so that we can just have real genuine connections with one another. I tell people, remove that mask before you yes. communicate with me. Um, because what good does it do if we're operating with fake, right? So we can only heal and help and move forward and go down the path we should go down if we're operating with authentic. Right. Yeah, man. Well, let me, let me, oh my God. <laughs> let me share with you. I, I think the biggest challenge professionally was um, making the decision to leave the, the legal profession. Um, you know, I had worked so hard in my education and, you know, Notre Dame is not an easy law school to get right. in or right. to get through. Right. And so, and I came out of school with $70,000 in debt, which may not sound like a lot today, but it was a lot 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I made the decision to leave the legal profession, and I always use this analogy, I felt like I was jumping off a steep cliff into a dark abyss, right? Like I had no idea where I was going to land. All I knew was I can't stay on this cliff anymore. Um, and, and, and what sticks in my head then and today is in my essay for law school admittance, the last sentence I had written, as a lawyer with my unique determination, I will be the voice, power, and strength of the unheard weak helpless. Wow. So that is when so, I say that again, as a lawyer with my unique determination, I will be the voice, power, and strength of the unheard, weak, and helpless. 
I love that. So it was my whole mission, right? And perhaps a little bit naive in my young age of 22 when I wrote that, you know, that I wanted to save the world and make it a better place to be. So when I left the legal profession, I really sat on that last sentence and thought, okay, all of it is still true. The three words that have to change are the first three words as a lawyer. I had to change that. And so today, I don't say as a lawyer, I say as the executive director for Latina Vida, as an executive consultant for Inclusion Inc. And then, you know, the rest of it continues. So That's my mission, so powerful. Yeah, my mission has stayed the chain, the same. So yeah. I think the biggest challenge was, you know, really being creative, thinking outside of the box, and then searching for other ways, different careers, different ways of making uh, an income where I could still live out my mission. So kind of, you know, repackaging, redefining myself, looking at the totality of my skill sets, talents, and education, and wrapping them up in a way that would allow me to do what was important to for me to do, which is to make a real contribution to the world in some sort of way. And you are, and you are, you are not just a mission statement. You are a mission action. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. You're doing not just talking about it, but you're walking that walk, not just talking that talk. So I want to ask you, I know you're going to say yes, but just in case, if you want to say no, you're certainly welcome to no judgment, but this is the part of the show where I've incorporated a new segment called the wild card question. Um, I have 144 questions in a box. They're all meaningful. Some are deep, some are not so deep. Are you game for me to pull out a question and ask you a question? I don't know it. You don't know it yet. Just it's, you know, it is what it is. A big surprise. I'm totally game, Susan. Let's go for it. <laughs> I knew you did that. <laughs> You're one of the most courageous women I've ever, ever known. So, all right. Well, here we go. Oh, this is nice. This is very nice, especially for what you do. What is something specific you want for this generation? What a great question. Um, I think simply more joy. More oh, joy. My God, I love that. You know, I, I think we live. And well, I think it's been called the information age, right? We live yeah. in, or the technology age where we're just busy. We're on the go all the time. Um, you know, it's this email, it's that text, it's that Instagram, it's, you know, these series of shows, et cetera. And, and then all the demands that we have at work. I think we, we don't get to experience enough joy where we can just take a big step back. I, I think that's why I like hiking and tending to my garden yeah. because they are things that make you slow down and just enjoy, right? To find so I think, joy. Yeah. Hiking and gardening are things in nature that you attend to with mindfulness because each mm -hmm. step and each, you know, so I, I often say, you, you're almost making me cry. We're like connected at the hip here because <laughs> I tell people and my son, I've always told him this, that especially in this country, we all too often know entertainment and very rarely know joy. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
we're just living a, a, a when we're not sleeping and even when we are so-called sleeping we're not REM sleeping where our minds are churning and we're saying go to sleep go to sleep or you know during the day the digital age is right up in our face at all you know binging and tinging and you know all the all the beeps and sounds oh you got a message you have to do this that and the other you have a deadline um it's 24 7. it's 24 yes. 7. so i love uh that you are into nature that's another way to spell god if you ask me mm -hmm. um, yes so i i agree with you there that is a beautiful answer to a really tough question a very thoughtful question well you're amazing i know how to reach you i have you on speed dial but for others how <laughs> How can they reach you if they want to know more? Um, I think the best way is just to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Nice. Nice. Wow. All right. Well, listen, T-A-M-M-Y-R-A-M-O-S on LinkedIn. And I'm telling you, you are worthy of the title of this show, Wonder Women in Business. You are amazing. Um, I consider you a friend. And I learned things about you today that I didn't know that have made me laugh and made me cry. And I'm just so grateful for having you on the show today. Thank you so much, Susan. It has been my joy. Oh, well, everybody tune in for the next Wonder Women in Business podcast and stay tuned for the blog that I'll write about Tammy. I'll include her bio, her headshot, a few pictures of her that tell her story uh, through visual communication. And then I'll post that to my website and share it on LinkedIn for others to enjoy. Tammy, thanks again. And everybody have a great day.